Uh, we're going to be looking at Psalm 111 today. That's on page 455 of your pew Bible if you want to follow along. Um, if not, we'll be reading it out loud anyways, so either way. So Psalm 111 says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will, he will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are upheld forever and ever. And they are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who follow his commandments have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. <clears throat> so this psalm, this is a call to praise the Lord. And if a person didn't know why they should praise the Lord, it gives reasons within the psalm of why. <clears throat> now they also, in the beginning here, the psalm asks that you do so with all your heart. That's an important part there that we've talked about often. You can't praise God with a divided heart. You're either all for Him or you're not. God wants and deserves all of our hearts, all of our attention. And so here we are in the assembly giving thanks and praise to the Lord. Sundays are a really good day for that. To congregate with fellow believers. To worship with fellow believers. To pray with them. To praise and to dig into His Word for further truth. Now, you can do this any day. It doesn't have to be Sunday. A lot of people choose this day to gather at the very least. You can worship anytime when you're out in the world. But to be with like-minded believers, maybe you can or can't depending on your situation. Um, if you don't believe me, just talk to a couple co-workers and, and you'll find out. And you may run into some people who are fellow believers. You may run into some who are not. You may run into some who are hostile. You may run into some who just don't care. Either way, there's different people out there when we leave these doors. But God willing, you find somebody with a good response if you choose to do so outside of here. As we live in a world that doesn't really accept the spiritual. Um, that's why God always talks about there being a narrow gate. Not everyone's going through it. 
Not everybody likes the godly words, the praises, the values that are espoused in God's Word. Now, I'm not ever telling anybody to not talk, talk about Jesus, to not praise the Gospel outside of here, because that is what we're called to do. And it's the loving thing to do, because if the Gospel is true, then it's the most unloving thing you can do to not tell somebody about Jesus Christ. The most unloving thing. So praise God in front of others, and you'll find out who the redeemed are, because they'll agree. And for those who are not, your praise of God, your worship of God, will be a rebuke to them and will hopefully be a seed planted. That's the, the hope there. But there is comfort in coming here, obviously. Uh, no matter the number. You know, we were talking about that just earlier before church started. If there's two or three people here, that's fine with me. If there's more, that's fantastic. Because what we have here is a union that the secular world can't match. You know, you can have football teams, you can have nations, you can have all sorts of things that you want. It is not the same as being a child of God and being a sibling of God with everyone else. That's vastly different than what the world can offer. So, we should praise God, we should thank God, and we better. There's no way, especially for the Christian, to wake up, to go about your day, to end your day, go to sleep, all that, to work hard. There's no way to do that and not notice the way God has worked in your life unless you just blatantly ignore it. There's no way for it to happen. And there are things that we take for granted. All of us do. Me most certainly. Think about these... Some of these things that you take for granted that are you wouldn't really think of in this context. Think about the air you breathe, the water you drink, you bathe with, the ground that you walk on, the certainty that the sun is going to rise and set every day. This is all God's creation. So we have the utmost one that we all ignore the most in our face every day. Every day. And it's for our survival and for our benefit that it's there. So God is good and we benefit from all that goodness. And the things that we notice, there's other things that we do notice, but we don't thank God for. So being that we're all here in Nebraska, we can all talk about how Depending on the season, we either complain about the heat or the cold, right? I mean, as soon as it's summer, we're wishing for winter again and things like that. But these are blessings. These are the seasons that allow us to keep going for the crops to keep coming up. These are all things that we need. And there are other things, blatant things that we ignore that I have ignored because you get busy. Things like meeting your spouse. Right? What a blessing, that you, but you see them every day. And so you take advantage, not take advantage, you take that for granted because you see them so often. Uh, there are so many times in, in my own life when 
I probably should have died. And there's just no way that they were all coincidence. Things that you can, you can try to chalk up to that, but they just don't add up. Um, I, I remember one time when I was coming back with a cousin from a long road trip, and it was late at night. It was probably 2 or 3 in the morning. He was driving. He was going to stay awake, okay? He was going to stay awake. He'd be all right. So I was sleeping in the seat next to him. And we were on a freeway there in Phoenix, and there's a certain spot when you're coming in on the I-10 for anybody from there where it has a very sharp turn, especially if you're going at a high speed. And I just happened to peek my eyes open just a hair. And I look out, and I see my lovely cousin just crashed out. And I reached over and grabbed that wheel and... I mean, what are the chances that you would wake up just at that second? There was no loud noise, things like that. God is working in our life all the time, and it doesn't have to be drastic like that. There are things that happen that we don't notice happening. Uh, we, I've often mentioned my children's, uh, my two older children's heart conditions. Uh, not supposed to, not supposed to change. It's only supposed to get worse. And yet, every visit that we've had, up until the last one, also. The doctor says, well, it's, I can't explain it, but if I was to find this now, I wouldn't even diagnose it. It's, that's how much better it's gotten. So things that you don't notice where God is working slowly in His time. It's the same thing with people that have shaped your life. I know that everyone has at least one special person in their life that they thank God for having had the effect that they have had on them. Whether it be 20 years ago or 2 minutes ago. We all have that. These are all works of God. But like I said, we often lose sight of these kind of things because we're busy. We put them in the back of our minds. We have work, children, money, bills. Somebody, some people, not me, go to the gym, uh, social activities. I mean... Life is distracting if you allow it to distract you. It just is. There's more. I mean, we have TV. We have internet. News, politics, video games, addiction. All of these things. If you let them rule you, if you let them govern your thought, if you let them control your mind, see how often you thank God. It's not going to be very often. Not much at all. But God does work in our life. And He wants us to talk to Him in prayer, to feel that security and tranquility, that rest that His Spirit can give us, that lack of stress that you get when you come to God, knowing that you are a child of God. Thank God for these things. Thank God for His work on the cross for that salvation resulting in the belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. All these things He's done for us and more. And they're all, as the psalm says, splendid. They're all miraculous and unachievable by mankind. We can't do it. And not just splendid, but majestic due to the nature of the One who has done them for us, our King. Not just a king, but the king, the only king.
So thank God, thank Jesus for godly, kingly wonders. And we could spend hours going over everything that He has done in the history of the world. But it always comes back to the most important, that sacrifice on the cross for a world that couldn't save itself, still can't save itself, and for that resurrection to life. (laughs) Don't forget that when we talk about Jesus Christ, when we talk about the resurrection, all of Christendom, all of its legitimacy is held on the cross. If it happened, then Christianity is true. If it didn't happen, then it's not true. That's just it's the way it is. So when our eternal life is shown through Jesus Christ, your memories of all He has done for you and all He's done for those you know, that is a witness for Christ coming from you. So remember them joyfully because these memories and these, this faith, they will nourish you in the good times and in the bad times. I can't implore enough to get into the Word of God every day. I know it's hard. We're all busy. But I think it's the least that we owe God. So never forget, never take for granted the power of His works. Because we are His people. We are His worshipers. We are His children. If we don't do it, who's going to? In Scripture, we see the many ways that God has worked. Events like the Red Sea, smaller scoped events like saving a woman in adultery, right? Perhaps quieting a a little child. (laughs) No, she she doesn't get very quiet lately. (laughs) So, I'm going to repeat 7 through 9 here real quick where it said, The works of His hands are truth and justice. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to His people. He has ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. So God has created a universe for us that exists in truth and in justice. People will try to tell you that God has not created the universe, yet they all point it back to a single point of origin where there was nothing before then. Well, nothing doesn't create something, so that something had a creator. Because God is truth and just, these things exist. He also has other attributes that we know of that we talk about in Scripture, such as love, mercy, long-suffering, things that we should apply in our life. But the truth that God has established, and this is the important part here, the truth that He has established is true no matter what. No matter what our opinion is. I can have a lot of wacky opinions. But in this universe that God has created, one plus one is always going to equal two. Right? There's always going to be a difference between good and evil. And it's grounded in God because if it's not, then it's just grounded in your opinion. If everybody's opinion is what decides what's good and evil, 
and nothing is good and evil. Hitler wasn't wrong. He just had a different point of view. But if God has, has told us, has decided what is good because he is good, then we have a standard to, to look at, to apply to our life. That is truth. Instead of a subjective emotional opinion. And because of his standard of justice, we have a framework for our salvation to be thankful for. Now how can that be? How can his standard of justice be a framework for our salvation? Well, if God is just and holy, and sin is an affront to him, then nobody with sin can come to him. When we look at the Ten Commandments, listen to them and think if you've violated any of these in your time on this earth. I guarantee you I've probably committed all of them. But You shall make no idols. You shall not take the name of your Lord, Lord God in vain. To keep the Sabbath day holy. To honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit murder. And Jesus later expounds on that one and says it's in the heart as well. You shall not steal or bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Now how is this a framework for salvation? Because God is just and knew that imperfect humans were going to fall, that they were not going to meet this standard. And so what did He do? He sent His Son to do this for us. He sent a holy and awesome in the all, all definition of the word, redemption for His people. But He didn't just send anyone. He sent His co-eternal Son. Think of the relationship that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, but specifically for today, the Father and the Son have had and still have. We can't fathom eternity. Our life is a little drop in a timeline compared to eternity. But that's how long they have been together. John 1, uh, 1 through 3 and 14 and 18, it talks of this. Where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning was the Word, which we know is speaking of Jesus Christ before He takes on His body. Jesus Christ, if you subbed His name into there, was with God and was God. Does it sound confusing? Sure it is, a little bit. But it's telling you it's telling you the ontology of God right here. And that He was with God in the beginning. How could He be with God in the beginning if He's not God? All things came to being through Him, and apart from Him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has seen God at any time God, the only Son, who is in the arms of the Father, He has explained Him. So, in loving deity, God the Father sends the Son to do what we can't, to live in a body, to be tried and tested in all things, to live the law to the fullest, most perfect state, to be ridiculed, 
to be tortured and hung on a cross for our redemption, should we choose to believe. Because God won't drag anyone kicking and screaming to heaven. So give thanks in the company of believers. Right? Give thanks. Give thanks without their company. You're not always with everybody here. Give thanks whenever. And as you are led by the Spirit, do your best to follow the commandments. Nobody's going to follow them perfectly. I fail every day. But we don't do this for salvation. We do this because of salvation. Because of how special that salvation is. So, since we've talked about these a little bit, I want to read the psalm one more time and then we'll close on it. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who follow his commandments have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So, if you think that you lack in this praise, in the study of God, in following of the commandments, with a good understanding, with a good effort, with a good repentance when you fail, start today. Start now. Nobody's stopping you. It's nobody's business. You do this on your own. Or you can do it with others. So come to God with that undivided heart and grow in your relationship with Him. And don't be afraid to humble yourself before the Creator of the universe and you and your Redeemer.